It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is March 26th, 2021. It's about 2.15 p.m. Uh, my name is Philip Ross. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the aftermath of the NBA trade deadline. We did a special episode yesterday, or late yesterday, um, that served for this morning as well. Uh, talking to Matt Peck of Locked On Bulls, as well as Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets about the big moves and the big players the Magic acquired at the trade deadline. If you haven't heard that, go back into our archives and listen to it. Um, it's a good good preface for what ha- what we have today and some good, at least, initial reaction to the trade deadline. I'll, I wanted to save this episode for when, after Jeff Weltman spoke to the media, um, so I could play some sound for you there, as well as get to uh, our locker room conversation that we had Thursday afternoon at around 6 o'clock. Um, so the deals were all done. Uh, we were just waiting word from, from Weltman. So I'll play back some of that conversation as well so you can get a little taste of that. And uh, we'll figure out the next time that we can all do a locker room together. Might, we might do, you know, I'm, I'm going to look at the schedule here. Uh, we might do a, a watch party uh, for our next locker room. Uh, do like a late night, uh, just hang out watching watching Magic game. I'm trying to, f- I'll, I'll try and figure figure that out. But, but we'll 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 figure out the next time we'll be able to do a locker room together um, and have more discussions about the Magic, especially now that we know a little bit more about what the Magic were thinking. I'll share some of the sound from Jeff Weltman from uh, earlier this morning as well. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all you to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on what the Chicago Bulls, the Denver Nuggets, or the Boston Celtics did? Check out our friends at Locked On Bulls, Locked On Nuggets, and Locked On Celtics. I've actually talked to all three 
in the past week on this show. And they're all great guys. Matt's, Matt does a great job with Locked on Bulls. Adam and Matt Moore as well do a great job uh, on Locked on Nuggets. And of course, uh, John Corrales with Locked on Celtics. If you're looking forward to tonight's game against the Portland Trailblazers, I'll be at the Amway Center tonight. Uh, Locked on Blazers has you covered after Portland's big win over Miami on Thursday night. You can check that out at Locked on Blazers. No matter who your team is, whether it's the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. So I've had roughly 24 hours now uh, to kind of sit and think about what the Magic did. Um, it, you know, for sure it was shocking. Um, I don't think any of us, any of us saw this coming. Uh, saw a uh, uh, just complete detonation of. The, of the franchise, of the roster. Um, it, it, it went against everything that Jeff Weltman has done um, so far with the Magic. He has been annoyingly patient to some fans. Um, you know, just, I think a lot of fans were eager for this kind of change and eager for the team to shift and turn the page. Uh, and Weltman kind of didn't want to do that. Um, his philosophy was always about trying to build through winning. Um, and we talked a lot over the offseason about what it takes to build from the middle and that this this was the path the Magic were trying to stake and it's clearly what they believed in. Um, and, and so it's it's fair to ask then, what changed? Why was this the time to hit this button instead of two years ago? And, and Jeff Weltman, to his credit, was was this morning, was really open and honest about it. He was asked, you know, about it directly almost. And he volunteered that, you know, they, they came in in 2017. Um, they knew the Magic had been out of the playoffs for so long. They didn't want to be the new guys rebuilding upon a rebuild. Um, they didn't want to completely restart if there was still something there. And they clearly saw something there. And so, you know, I, I tell people on this all the time, people this all the time, that, that talk with me on, on Twitter and, and certainly you guys here uh, on the podcast, the people who read me on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, who follow me on Twitter, who listen to this podcast, um, you guys are the exceptional ones. Love you all. You know, you're, you're all great. You're thinking about the long term of this team. You're thinking about these big questions that GMs and executives all think about. But we're not the majority of fans. The majority of fans watch two, maybe three games a year, go to a game, are peripherally around the magic, and need a reason to be excited. Um, so yeah, so maybe some business interests took over there and the magic decided... We need to make the playoffs. And it's not like they sold out and, and cost themselves anything except time uh, in making the playoffs. They accomplished that goal. They made the playoffs. They proved they can get there. And Weltman seemed like very, you know, very happy that they did this, that this accomplishment wasn't meaningless. But ultimately, it came down to this conclusion. The Magic were always walking down two paths. And we I, 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 you can go back and listen to my archives, especially in the offseason, where we talk about this. The Magic were on one path of veterans trying to develop uh, trying to develop and win in the short term, and young players like Jonathan Isaac, Marco Fultz, to some extent Aaron Gordon, trying to grow and essentially supplant those older players. That was always the dream. And unfortunately, walking down those two paths suddenly shockingly, surprisingly, became too difficult. But, you know, we didn't set out on this path when we came into the season. You know, we, 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 we felt that we would be a playoff team this season for the third straight year. Um, 
I actually thought we could be a home court team. And, and it's funny, now that I see the way the season's playing out in the East, I, I'm even more uh, of that mind that, that we could have been a home court team. And, um, and this could be the year that we kind of advance in the playoffs. Um, you know, and we started out, uh, I think, 6-2. and two. But, you know, stuff happens, right? And so uh, we, we, got, we got punched in the nose by um, literally uh, a historic, an NBA historic wave of injuries. And so that changes everything. It changes, uh, it changes the way that the team um, has to plan. It changes the season. It changes beyond the season. And it changes the mindset. So, you know, in this business, you have to constantly be able to pivot. You have to stay fluid as, as much as possible. And it's not easy to try to, to walk two paths, but that's what we've been trying to do. And we went into this uh, trade deadline um, with the uh, dual tasks of trying to improve our team or trying to look for opportunities to restart it. And um, when these uh, opportunities presented themselves, we felt that in conjunction with one another, they presented us uh, a really exciting new path to take. And um, that's what we did. And so we're on a new path now. And I'm really excited about where we're headed. And I think that this is uh, going to be a great new start for the team and that there are great things ahead of us. Jeff Altman speaking on Friday morning about the Magic's moves at the trade deadline. Uh, he went on to add that the reason why this was the time to make the move was both the circumstances of uh, of the Magic's now draft position and 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 dro- dropping in the standings and the conditions that led to the season and, and the general frustration that everyone was feeling. Um, it's, it's tough to play through all these injuries. These guys have been through a lot, and another kind of prolonged rebuild was not inevitable, but it would have been another long journey back. It, it, it might seem simple, but it isn't. Um, it isn't always that simple. And uh, the reality also became that the Magic financially weren't going to be able to keep everyone. Um, Jeff Weltman acknowledged that. It would have been tough to keep Evan Fournier. Um, Nikola Vucevic was, is getting ready to turn 31, and while he is still in the prime of his career, you know, 30 is kind of that magic age where you got to start thinking about things. Um, and, 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 and that led to part of the decision to, to decide to hit the reset button. Um, when, when the opportunities came around uh, to, to make these kinds of make these moves, in Weltman's estimation at least, uh, it was the right time and the right move to kind of reset and restart the franchise uh, just a little bit. Um, whether all whether those arguments carry water, um, you know, I, I think he could have kept Vucevic around. I, I, I don't know if he would have gotten two firsts and Wendell Carter Jr. for him next year, but I don't think it would have been that much different. Um, and I, I think there's plenty of reasons to criticize the Magic's return on that front. Um, but nevertheless, the Magic's goal quickly became then to set the franchise up, to clear the slate a little bit. And Orlando has done that. Um, they'll operate next summer, this summer under the cap. Um, first time in a while they've done that. Um, they're roughly, by my calculations, somewhere between $15 and $17 million below the, below the salary cap. Um, they will have, you know, a lot of that will go to the first round pick at the Magic draft. Um, that's, just, that's just how that goes. Um, they will have a $17 million trade exception that they can use. Um, they have... They have all of their draft picks. Give Jeff Weltman credit for that. He does not trade his draft picks, or his first-round picks at least. Um, so the Magic have all their picks, so they have their own plus Chicago's pick, which could end up being in the team. Well, which will probably end up being somewhere in the teens, um, depending on how good the Bulls play the rest of the way. Um, and they've picked up some future draft capital as well. So the Magic have set themselves up, 
And, and they have talented players. Let's not confuse ourselves here. Uh, while the future does look uncertain um, and does have a lot of big questions that it has to fill, Magic have talent too. Jonathan Isaac, yes, coming off a torn ACL, um, is an all-defensive team talent. I suspect that next year will be the last year he will not be on an all-defensive team, uh, assuming he can get back healthy, which maybe is too big of an assumption. Um, Markel Fultz is a former top overall pick, pretty well-established starter who's going to have a huge role handling the ball moving forward. RJ Hampton and Cole Anthony were both top 10 players in their high school class in 2019, not so far away from you know, being considered the best players of their age group. Um, both obviously fell out of the lottery and out of the top 10 when it was their turn to get drafted, but both very talented players. And Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr. were both top 10 picks, drafted 6th and 7th, Bamba 6, Carter 7, um, in the 2018 NBA draft. You add that with the Magic's upcoming first round pick, which will likely be in the top 5 or 6, or top 7, really. Um, and all of a sudden, you do see a Magic team that has a lot of young talent. That doesn't mean it's going to coalesce. It doesn't mean it's going to come together. It doesn't mean it's going to work. Um, these trades were all very risky. Um, but if their ultimate goal was to give the Magic a clean slate to work from, they have accomplished that goal. The Magic are indeed essentially starting from scratch, starting anew and starting over. These, this decision obviously was not easy, but all three of those guys, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Forney, and Aaron Gordon, have contributed a lot to this franchise and have taken this team as far as it can go. They got a rare opportunity to get a second chance to make the playoffs and to, to achieve something. Something small, but something nonetheless. But how do we feel 24 hours later? How do we feel um, a day after you know these emotional trades, um, these, these emotional decisions? I have to wait and see still. To be perfectly honest, um, I think a big piece of this puzzle is still missing, um, and you know I I bang this drum a lot on Twitter. Um, I don't trust the lottery, um, and even though Jeff Waltman said we're going to focus on what we can control, we cannot control the lottery. Our goal is to focus on this team, get them organized, uh, put them in positions where they can succeed, and we can evaluate the young players to figure out what they can give us. The bottom line is this. This whole new rebuild the Magic are doing is the exact same has the exact same issues as the Rob Hennigan rebuild, at least at this early stage. Whether it is successful or not, or how quickly it can it can coalesce and it can happen, depends on if a two pops up instead of a three. Depends on the right four number combination popping up in that back room or on that Zoom call in May or June or whenever they're holding the NBA draft lottery. That's the unfortunate bottom line of all of this is the magic and their future are up in the air once again. That doesn't make it the wrong decision. That doesn't make it a, a good gamble or the right estimation from Jeff Weltman. Um, I think his reasoning and, and his, his reasoning to say like it was time to restart. Um, I may disagree with the timing. I may disagree with some of the moves that they made and, and some of the decisions that are yet to come, but... Um, I, I, I heard his logic and I said, you know, I don't know if I completely buy that, but I, I get it. Um, as someone's going to say when we get to, the, uh, get to the locker room part of the show, why wait for tomorrow what you can do today? If this was inevitably the decision, if it had been decided that this group cannot do enough to win a championship, which a lot of us had concluded anyway, 
then this was perhaps their best path to get back on track toward that goal. Many fans have been asking for this for a long time. And so the Magic finally delivered. Now the pressure is back on Jeff Weltman to deliver even further and make the right moves to bring this team back. We're going to dive into locker room with some more of my reaction to your questions uh, about the trade deadline from our locker room chat yesterday. So we'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget, too, to check out the Locked On Today podcast to get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts like me. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. We'll jump into the locker room from yesterday, from Thursday, as we break down the NBA trade deadline and what the Magic did, did not do, and what happens next. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Orlando Magic are are in for for full Um, This may very well have been the plan from the beginning when Jeff Weltman was uh, first got here. Um, this may have been what he actually wanted to accomplish and what he actually wanted to do before the team made that surprising playoff run. And like I've said, and I think I've said this before, the Magic may very well have been victims of their own success. Um, they were so they were su- so surprisingly good. It had been so long since this team was good, was even less mediocre. Let's, let's not say good. This team was in the playoff hunt that they weren't willing to give that up. And again, like I, I tell people this a lot of times, the people who listen to my podcast, the people who are on Twitter talking about the Magic a lot, um, they're not the every, they're not the majority of fans. Um, so they wanted to definitely appease the ticket buying public a little bit. Um, but now the Magic, ha- after two years of stagnation, if not going backwards, they've hit the reset button. Um, they've traded away the three pillars of the franchise. They've traded away three players who are e- extremely vital to what the team is trying to do and what the team hopes to be at some point um, or at the, what the teams hope to be at some point. And they're starting fresh and this is wholly Jeff Weltman's team. Um, and that's, that's both exciting and both a little scary um, because I, I personally still don't quite see the whole picture yet. 
Um, like I said, I, I definitely thought I had a better idea of what the Magic were trying to do and who they were trying to be yesterday more than today. Um, if you have any questions, um, feel free to request to speak and, 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 and kind of join in. If you've never done locker room before, it kind of works like a call-in show. It's just kind of a, a room in a chat. Um, and so we, we get to hear from some of, from some of our speakers. Let's hear from, uh, uh, let's, let's uh, start with uh, 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 Jesus Colon. Jesus, uh, first did I say did your I say name right? Hey, what's up, Philip? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, man? Pretty good. A longtime listener. Um, I'm happy that we can use this platform to speak. I think it's a really uh, innovative idea, especially for us sports fans. So uh, just grateful to be on here with you guys. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is I, one thing I, I love doing and I do it a lot on Twitter is interact, interact with, with people. I love hearing what you guys have to say. Um, love sometimes getting into arguments with y'all. Um, but, uh, um, Definitely. But, uh, but obviously uh, a, a lot to get to. What, what, what's on your mind today? Yeah, so just quickly, I just wanted to share how I felt when everything went down and then ask you a question based off that, uh, you know, sure. that feeling. So, um, you know, I decided not to work today because I had a feeling things were going to go down, like, in a, in a major level. Uh, last night I was speaking with a couple of, um, a couple of you know, other Magic fans. And, you know, we, we expected that today could have been something insane, like what we just experienced or it could have been something more minimal and as expected, like an Aaron Gordon move or a Ken Birch move, you know, Evan Fournier move, which was the typical moves we were expecting. So uh, my, my overall reaction, um, I don't think I was upset. I was more sad just to see Vooch go. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, watching him play. I, I became a fan in, in 2011. So, you know, I, I survived the Dwight Mayor alongside all of you guys and just to see him grow up and develop into uh, an all-star here in Orlando. It was kind of sad, but then I understood um, that it, I, I thought it was, I, I thought it was something that was necessary. The reason why is this, this is what I think, Philip. Um, like if you see something coming, why not make that decision now? Uh, what do I mean? What I mean is that I, I know that the ceiling of this team wouldn't have been um, our ultimate goal as a franchise, which is to win the champ, which is to win a championship or even to make it, you know, to the Eastern Conference Finals or compete with the top-tier teams here in the East. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, if we know that we're not going to make it, why wait two years and why not just, you know, jump on the tank right now? You know, so that was my, my thinking. And so I, I just wanted to ask you, Philip, what do you think about that way of thinking? Is that justified? Do you believe um, in this, In you know, do you have that same mindset like I do? Like, hey, if, 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 we, if we know that we're not going to be that good, in a couple years anyways, we're not going to get any more, any more, uh, our ceiling isn't going to get any higher per se. Isn't it better to just see what we can do now and just try to shortcut the rebuild in a way and just start it right away instead of having to wait a little bit longer? What do you I think? I mean, that, yeah, no, no, that's, that's, and that's a really good question. And that's, that's a really big philosophical question. I think a lot of GMs have to ask themselves. I mean, I don't think, I don't think there is, uh, an easy answer and, and and like like a lot of things i think it depends on the person and, and what they're doing and the situation they're in um you know when you look at this magic roster you know i think you can make an argument that both paths were the correct path that you know you could you know i've I argued throughout the course of the offseason that you know the path of the magic is to try and build from the middle you've got enough young players you've got enough young pl people players that can continually get better and kind of elevate your roster. And then maybe that's when you cash in and make the big move. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't think 
going after Russell Westbrook was the right decision for this roster now. But the fact that Magic were in that conversation, the fact that people thought you can maybe flip Aaron Gordon and some future assets and turn that into a player of Russell Westbrook's reputation, if not caliber, and caliber, I suppose, because he's still very, very good, um, then that's the kind of move that takes the Magic from middling team to potentially contending team under the right conditions. Um, Obviously, this year, the conditions completely changed. Um, Markel Fultz's injury, I think, really, you know, essentially there were no young players that the Magic really cared about that are like core players to the team. Chumo Kiki's a nice player, don't get me wrong. Cole Anthony's a nice player, don't get me wrong. But those guys, I don't think, are, you know, like building block pieces. And, And maybe Markel Fultz isn't, maybe Jonathan Isaac isn't. Um, those guys are, are not the guys that are going to be top three options on, on a team or have like elite NBA talent. Um, you know, Marco Fultz, you know, I, I don't know if he's a, an all-star anymore, if he's that kind of a player. Jonathan Isaac, I think, certainly has that all-NBA talent. Um, and not having him this year really hurts and really slowed this team's development. And so the fact that the Magic, the fact that the Magic had this season where they struggled so much, where they um, faced all these injuries and they lost such key players I think that made it easier to set the reset, to hit the reset button, like you said, and, and kind of decide, you know what, we got to start over. You know, we've done all we can. And I, I mean, honestly, you can tell by the way that this team played because, you know, yes, they were down a lot of players, but even when Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, and Aaron Gordon were all on the floor together, they were just inconsistent. And, and you look at the way things go in the NBA, it does very much happen that things go stale. You know, teams start stop listening to coaches, you know. They become too predictable. They, 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 they just don't have the right mix anymore. Um, and I do think that the Magic, you know, very clearly had reached a point where things had gone stale, where it was very, very clear that this group had done all it could. They got all the opportunities in the world to break through that, that ceiling of the 7-8 seed and, and get beyond it, and, and they just couldn't do it. Um, and last year was proof of that, and this year had become proof of that too. And so I, I don't think the Magic were wrong to hit the reset button completely. Um, you know, I was surprised by it. I thought that 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 just, there's just nothing in this front office's history that would suggest that that's what they would do. Um, but they hit the reset button here, and and they're preparing now to build around Jonathan Isaac and, and whoever they draft coming up here in, in the next in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, Philip, I have a follow up question. Um, sure. If you'd allow me to ask it, I know we have other people waiting to ask their no. questions as well. Yep, um, and, and and before we do that, if you are waiting yeah. to speak, if you have a question in the comments, I'm going to circle back around and get to it. Just stay very, very patient. We have a, a, a couple people in the room, and, and hopefully more will be adding, will be coming in here shortly. Um, but uh, I'm 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 trying to I'm going to try and get to everyone's questions here. So just be patient with us. Yeah, Philip. So to just follow up on this question, um, because our front office decided to go and 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 um, and you know and start the rebuild and and put their, their footprint on the roster and make this their team. Do you believe that because of these circumstances and this um, uncertain future, do you still believe that Steve Clifford will be the coach, um, you know, here two, three years from now? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I do think that Steve Clifford, that the Magic, you know, I think Steve Clifford has one year left on his deal. Um, and, and like you said, if, if, if the Magic don't believe Steve Clifford is their coach, and, and thanks, thanks again, uh, again, Jesus, for, for joining. I hope I pronounced your name right. Um, uh, if the Magic don't believe Steve Clifford is their coach anymore or is the coach that should lead this team, then like you said before, why wait tomorrow what you can do today? 
Um, and I'm not saying fire him today. I'm not saying any of that. Um, but in the offseason, begin to think about, okay, what kind of coach do we want for this young team? Personally, I think Steve Clifford is still a great coach for this team. Um, you know, with, with the lack of veterans on this roster right now, they're going to need a coach that's going to demand kind of discipline and, and the foundations of winning. Um, and that's what Steve Clifford is really good at. Um, I, think, I think Clifford is the perfect coach for young teams. I know, he's I know that he tends to play veterans over young players, um, and, and that's frustrating, and I get that, and, and I agree with that criticism of him. But I also think that that kind of accountability for young players is really, really, really important. I mean, Clifford has proven if you can play, he will play you. Cole Anthony, he, you know, he didn't like the fact that he had to start him, but he was perfectly comfortable starting him uh, when Markel Fultz went down. Um, you know, you know, Chumo Kiki is getting some playing time right now. I think the playing time is going to increase. He was given the opportunity to finish the game last night. He kind of threw it away with a bad defensive play. And I'm sure Clifford will go over the tape and help Chuma understand why that was the wrong defensive play. And he went back to a veteran that he trusts. Um, Jonathan Isaac is a young player and he plays a lot. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily buy this argument that Clifford doesn't play young players. He doesn't play young players. I can't help him. win, And that's what he cares about. Now, will that shift, you know, will Clifford be able to stomach some losses to let young guys take their lumps? We're going to find out in these last, you know, however many games the Magic have left um, and, and see what what comes comes out of it. Um, before we get to our next speaker, um, I want to just get to some of the comments. Um, Jason Granger asks, should MCW still start at point guard? Uh, who's your starting five right now? And does Chuma Okiki start now? Um, until Cole Anthony comes back, I think Michael Carter-Williams is still the starting point guard. Um, you know, I think, you know, I'm still wrapping my head around who's on the roster now. Um, Gary Harris is still hurt, um, so I don't think he's going to be able to play for a little while. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if the starting lineup for the time being is Michael Carter-Williams at point guard until Cole Anthony comes back. Um, either Terrence Ross or RJ Hampton will probably man the two. Um, I still think the magic would like to bring Terrence Ross off the bench, but that may be a moot point. Um, Terrence Ross is probably one of the better players on the roster. He's probably the second best player on the roster right now. So might as well play him. Um, I think you either go, uh, Otto Porter at the three or, 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 um, you know, play, honestly play Gary Harris when he's healthy at the three as well. Um, and then either go Chumo Kiki at the four or Wendell Carter Jr. at the four with either Wendell Carter Jr. at the five or Ken Birch at the five. You know, honestly, the unfortunate thing is um, Mo Bamba is still kind of the odd man out. I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a better player than Mo Bamba right now. And with Ken Birch still on the roster, um, I don't think Cliff is going to necessarily go away from him unless management gives him a direction to do so. Um, Natalyn Rose also asked me, what's your opinion on RJ Hampton? I really liked RJ Hampton in the draft process. I thought I, I do tend to give guys who played some professional basketball and played against, um, you know, quote unquote men, um, you know, because just, just because of the maturation and all that, um, I do tend to give them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. Um, but um, I, I, I'm interested to see what he can bring. Um, the way Adam Morris of Locked on Nuggets described him to me is he's, he's kind of like a bullet. Like he, he, know, he can play, and I think with more playing opportunity, we're going to get to see him really develop and grow, and grow. He just wasn't playing well enough at the level that the Nuggets are playing at and, and the pressure that the Nuggets are playing at. So it's going to be really interesting to see, um, see him play. I'm going to turn now to um, Orlando Magic Daily contributor Omar Cabrera. Uh, Omar, how's, how's it going, man? I'm doing good. Can you hear me, Philip? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Uh, uh, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. Just super busy. Super busy today. Yeah. So, um, me personally, when when the deals went down, I was honestly like really upset just to see those guys. Those and like at first, like I, I assume as a lot of people, the return at first looked like, especially for Vucevic, looked really like 
like poor, but it was like when you take a step back and you look at the young core that the Magic really have, it's not really like they're studying from from scratch in this rebuild. And I just want to see where where you look at it, if it's more of like start from what you have now, or do you really start to look at, at the other young pieces that are already on the roster, like an RJ Hampton or even Cole Anthony, and decide whether or not you want to have them going forward. Yeah, um, you know, it's 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 definitely tricky. I mean, I I think one of the one of the more difficult things about analyzing what today is and what today means is asking. What what is this team supposed to look like? What what is the end product of this team? And I mean, I think that was a fair question to ask. You know, certainly during the Rob Hennigan era, with all the players that he collected that didn't really seem to have a, a direction or fit together, it's a fair question to ask uh, in the early years of Jeff Weltman. But I mean, honestly, under Jeff Weltman, because we could see what the team looked like when they were winning, you know, we could at least say like, okay, this is the map, this is the path that the Magic are walking on. Um, and, and I think what happened today. Um, that that's that's still you know a little confusing and and what I think we're still sorting through is to ask what what are what are the magic supposed to be um, you know we've got Jonathan Isaac we've got Markel Fultz now um, we consider those two to be kind of pillars of the franchise the draft pick is still an unknown and, and maybe that's maybe that draft pick is what sets the franchise down a path you know maybe you know they win the top pick they take Cade Cunningham and all of a sudden okay you've got Markel, Cade, and Isaac, and, and that's a that's a young core you can begin building with, and you can say, okay, let's find out what pieces fit around those players to get the most of those pieces. And and, and that was a big point that I was was trying to make throughout is like every move you make has to find a way to maximize what Jonathan Isaac does, what Markel Fultz does. And you know, to some extent the magic did that. Um, you know, I think oddly enough, they added some shooting in this in these trades. Um Gary uh, Gary Harris, when he's healthy is a very, very good shooter. He's kind of tailed off the last two years because of injuries to his, to his lower body and to his core. Um, but he can be a very, very good shooter still. Um, Otto Porter is a 40% three-point shooter. That guy can can get buckets. And, you know, I would not be surprised if there's a quote on, if there's like an Otto Porter game where he just goes off for 35, 40 points and give the Magic a chance to win, um, assuming that he plays. And he certainly tailed off a little bit this year because he's had some injury issues and has started coming off the bench. Um, but, you know, Otto Porter at his peak could be that kind of a guy. Um, but again, is Otto Porter a long-term option for this team? I, I don't think the Magic are going to resign. I, I don't, at this point, I don't think the Magic are going to resign him in the offseason. Um, what is Gary Harris? Is he a long-term piece for this team? Right now, we don't even know when he's going to play. We don't even know uh, what when he's going to be available. I mean, as, as they always say, and especially this season, your best ability is availability. Um, and, and right now, we just don't know when he's av- going to be available. Um, so, you know... I, it feels like what the Magic did today was kind of wipe a clean slate. Um, they got Isaac. They got Fultz. They like Okiki. They like Cole. They're going to give Wendell Carter a chance. You know, they've still got Mo Bamba kind of hanging around there with what he could theoretically be. Um, they've got to figure out what this picture is going to look like. And, and again, it's, it's, it's really hard to look and say, what is, what is, the, what is, the, box on, what is the box on the puzzle? What, is, what does this puzzle look like? Um, and, and that, to me, is, is the most difficult part here. Yeah, I completely agree. And I have one more question, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. Go for it. Um, So, like, when with a lot of veterans being moved, it was like, because I personally was going to, the the one one of the things that I felt like the Rock Hagen era failed that was nothing against, like, the Ben Gordons or the Channing Fries, but it was adding, keeping, making sure you had a balance of just completely having this young core and never having, like, the veterans that would take leadership. And Channing Fry even hit on it that was like, he didn't necessarily care 
of like pushing. Like he was never the type of player to push like push these young guys towards like the right direction. More of just being around them because seeing guys like and Evan Fournier leave. And that was one of the things that had like a lot of Magic fans interested in a Marcus Smart was he was going to have the veteran, more veteran leadership instead of having just a group of young cores and they don't know necessarily how to grow. Yeah, I mean, and I think that was a huge issue with the Rob Hennigan rebuild was, you know, there were no good veterans. You know, I think one thing, one mistake that they made was they let Jameer Nelson go a year early. Um, a year too early, but you know, Alfred Payton or Victor Oladipo weren't ready to take on the reins. Um, you're right. They, you know, Channing Fry, kind of a laid back dude. You know, he's a good veteran, but if he's not engaged, if the team isn't winning, he that kind of laid backness can can cut against things. Um, they were too young. I mean, I think it was Tobias Harris who said uh, shortly after um, after he got traded uh, that you know in Orlando there were just too many mouths to feed. Too many guys were trying to push and prove themselves, and so going too young can be a problem too. Going too young can be a mistake too. And, and I do think that that's, that's a concern the Magic should have. Like, who are the veterans on this roster? One of the reasons why I wanted to keep Nikola Vucevic and make sure Nikola Vucevic stayed around was because he could be that veteran. I mean, he could be that kind of stabilizing force. And again, maybe he's not the forceful, you know, rah-rah, push everyone up another level type veteran. But he is just a stabilizing force that's going to keep the team competitive, keep them focused on the right things, and and give them a chance to win. That's 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 still really important for young developing teams. Even if the Magic's plan now is lottery pick this year, lottery pick next year, you still want to be competitive and learning good habits. Now, Jonathan Isaac's been in the league for a little while. I know he's only played one full season, but he's been in the league a little while, so maybe he can add a little bit of veteran leadership um, that that he wouldn't otherwise have. Or, or, or certainly, I think one thing that this does is it pushes him a little bit more to the front when he comes back. But again, you're right. The, the team's lack of veterans. They're going to have to find some veterans in free agency to kind of keep this roster uh, competitive, at least nominally competitive. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to make the playoffs in 2022 right now, but uh, they need to. they need something to at least make them nominally competitive. Um. We have been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It is Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup is a good one. Between cookie dough chunk and white chocolate birthday cake. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Should be a good one. I actually kind of want both of those flavors. Um, do I have to pick one? It's like picking picking your child. Go to BuiltBar.com or to Bar underscore Built on Twitter, at Bar underscore Built, uh, to vote on today's matchup. Remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Be sure also to check out the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's draft with Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. We'll head back to the locker room, finish up our conversation about the, uh, finish up our reaction to the NBA trade deadline coming up here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. 
Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My uh, opinion on Jonathan Isaac's offensive uh, potential is actually a lot higher than a lot of people. Um, Just watching him in the games, um, he really seems to have a really soft touch around the rim um, and a underrated handle when he's in the open court. Um, And obviously we saw his shooting in the bubble. Um, What do you think his actual potential offensively is if it's not like average, like a lot of people think it is? Yeah, um, it's 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 tough to tell because you know I think you know my my criticism of Jonathan Isaac and and people still kind of ban- you know hit me on this um, every once in a while uh, and why I was so low on Jonathan Isaac. Um, my uh, my analysis of John- Jonathan Isaac in the draft process was I felt like he deferred too much to older players on Florida State and, and would get lost off lost offensively. Um, and, and I think even in the right. NBA that's been the case. And, and if one thing that this trade is trying to do is trying to like push nudge Jonathan Isaac closer to starting because they think he can be a more dynamic offensive player, um, then this certainly, I think, does that a little bit. You know, Jonathan Isaac is now, you know, essentially, you know, now, now honestly, now Jonathan Isaac is unquestionably the best player on the team when he's healthy. Um, Fair point. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, they're going to push him a little bit. And, and he's shown flashes of it. Um, you know, I... The, the play that is still like vividly burned into my mind that I was just like, like, whoa, like, I can't believe Jonathan Isaac did that. Um, he, against Philadelphia early last season, Jonathan Isaac had a turnaround fadeaway. Um, and, and he shows little flashes of these moves and, and, and these moments where it's just like, if this guy just got the confidence to, to, to be this kind of a shooter and, and to be this kind of a player, he could be a real good scorer. I mean, people compare him to uh, Kevin Durant a little bit because of the size. Um, I, I, I don't think he's Durant good, obviously. Um, but it really, to me, it's just about, does Isaac have the confidence to be this kind of a player? Um, and, and, and I think he can get there. And he's going to always be a team guy. Um, I joke with people all the time, and I, I truly believe this, actually. Um, now that I've gotten to know Jonathan Isaac and gotten to watch him a little bit, if Jonathan Isaac had an ego, um, he would have yeah. been the top pick in that draft. Like, like I, I think he would have gone mm-hmm. ahead of Jason Tatum. He would have gone ahead of Markel Fultz. He would have been the top pick in that draft. But the dude, is, you know, again, and this is not to say I want Isaac to change. Um, but to be a truly great player in this league, you have to have a little bit of an edge. You have to you have to have a little bit of nasty in you. And Jonathan Isaac is just one of the nicest dudes in the world. Um, and I don't want him to change. I love that about him. I, you know, I love how humble he is. You know, I'm not a crazy, you know, faith-driven person. But I do res- I do respect how much faith drives him and, and, and how he's found a passion in that and found a lot of meaning in that. And I think it's helped him a lot through all the injuries that he's had. And, and I don't ever want to take that away from him or change him personally for that. But to, to be a truly great player, I do think he's got to He's got to realize that I, you know, I got to go get mine a little bit, and and that's that's still something I think Isaac's struggling with and trying to figure out how to do better. Uh, and for, unfortunately, again, maybe he would have had that if he were on the court more. Um, he just hasn't been right. on the court enough to for us to really see what he can be. Um, and and so I, I'm still really high on him. Um, I say this all the time. Isaac is like the one guy on the roster, especially now that Nikola Vucevic is not there. But even when Nikola Vucevic was there, he's the one guy on the roster that has that does something at an all NBA level. I think next year is probably the last year he will not be on an all defensive team. He is uh, he is that good. 
on that end. I've often said he is Andre Kirilenko. If he can, if he can have Andre Kirilenko's like peak run at Utah in Utah, um, he will be a really valuable player. I mean, again, again, Andre Kirilenko may not be a number one option, but you put that kind of player on the right team with the right mix of players, and that becomes a very, very good team. So, you know, again, so much is riding on this draft, I think, to set everything kind of in place and in motion. Um, but Isaac's development is obviously a big key to where the Magic eventually go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a couple of years ago, people were making the comparison to Pascal Siakam. And I think that if he's healthy next year, he could make that kind of offensive jump. Yep. Plus being a top three defensive player of the year or in the in the league. And that could be huge for the Magic. Yep. I sure. mean, so, so much so much of what the Magic are doing right now is riding on Jonathan Isaac coming back healthy um, and, and, and making something during this four-year extension that, that he just signed. Um, uh, thank, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Ben, for for jumping in there. Um, let's uh, turn to Brandon Pittman. Brandon, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I mean, most of the people ask, like, the questions that I was thinking. So uh, good questions by them, of course. <laughs> Thanks for answering. But uh, I was just wondering, like, did, did you – were you uh, were you surprised by the Vooch move? Because to me, honestly, I, I felt like the Magic were playing them all these minutes and having them – put up his stats and, you know, so he could, so to make sure he was an all-star so they could trade him at the deadline and, and get a pretty good haul for him. So I wasn't that shocked when we traded him, although it yeah. was like kind of blindsided with the news that was coming up like th- through the week. Um, but were you, were you uh, happy with the haul or were you kind of underwhelmed? Um, I know I was, asked a similar question. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I was, I was definitely surprised by the Vooch trade. Um, you know, I thought, I thought that that the Magic were going to retain Vucevic, and like I said, I think that he could have been a really good stabilizing force for the roster. Um, allowed the team to kind of gr- to kind of grow around him a little bit, um, you know, give them you know not put all the pressure on Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, um, essentially, and and the rookie that they're drafting, just kind of relieve some of that pressure and give the team kind of a constant drumbeat so that they could compete. Again, not saying they would have made the playoffs in 2022 um, if they had brought him back. Um, but just give them, you know, like a, a puncher's chance to compete every night. And that's what Vucevic, I mean, Vucevic showed that throughout the course of the season. Like he, he's not enough by himself to get you to the playoffs, um, but he's enough to, to, to give you a chance if other guys step up and, and play their roles too. Uh, and so, you know, I really thought that the Magic were going to retain him. I really thought that the Magic were going to keep him around and kind of use him as a stabilizing force. And, and if they weren't going to do so, I thought that they would be pushing for, you know, players that could, you know, be major impactors for the team in the long term. Um, The the shocking thing to me in what the Magic did today was that they didn't, you know, grab a ton of long term pieces. Um, You know, Wendell Carter Jr. You know, has I think one year left on his on his rookie rookie deal. Um, He's a player. Like I think he can play, but he's not. You know, I I don't know if he's a starter in this league. To be perfectly honest, Um, I think he's better than Mo Bamba. I think he will play over Mo Bamba. Um, but I, I don't think I don't necessarily think he's a starter in this league um, full time. We're going to find. I mean, I think the Magic are going to give him the chance to find out in, in a new situation. Um, you know, Gary Harris. I think he can be a really nice player, but obviously this is kind of a second second chance for him with all the injuries he's faced. He's got one year left on his deal, so you know if he doesn't pan out, Magic kind of washed our hands of him and, and go their go their separate ways. Um, the only kind of long-term piece the Magic picked up today was R.J. Hampton. And, and I like R.J. Hampton. I liked him in the draft process. Um, I do think the Magic made the right choice taking Cole Anthony over him. Um, but now, you, now you've now you got, like, Markel Fultz, 
you know, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton, you know, RJ Hampton might be better off as a two more than those other, more than the other players, but now yeah, you're kind of a point guard. Yeah. What? Point guard combo guards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I think the magic like this idea of having multiple ball handlers on the, on the floor, but to me, what the magic did not do today was pick up pieces that will be part of the team's long-term future. They, they, again, I think what today was, or what, what Thursday was, was um, just setting the whole slate clean, just starting from scratch. And, and that was not a move I expected the Magic to do. And honestly, I, I, would, I would argue um, that the time to do those kinds of moves might be better in the offseason when teams are thinking about how do we get better, how do we add pieces. And obviously you can do that with Evan Fournier. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon was probably at his max max value, but you can't tell me that, that you know, you can do a little bit better than, than you know, a bench center, uh, you know, an expiring contract and, you know, a couple first-round picks that first-round picks for Nikola Vucevic. Um, you know, again, for, first-round picks, you know, are like, are like cars. They lose value the moment you, you drive them off the lot. Um, so... So, you know, may, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I just don't I don't know if, if Vucevic would have had more value later on or if this was the best the Magic could do for Vucevic. Um, but it just it just felt like the goal today or the, what was accomplished today was more about cleaning the slate than building for the future. And I think that that's I think that's the, the risk that the Magic took. And, and the part that I'm a little uneasy about is that, OK, you've done all these things. You've traded away your best players, you know, some playoff players, some longstanding players for the team. What have you actually gotten? And it just feels like they've gotten a, a clear cap sheet and a couple. And a couple yeah, things. I totally agree. And I just feel like, and I, I know I said that uh, I thought that it, it didn't surprise me as much as they traded them right now. But when you think about it, yeah, you're definitely right. Like, why did why couldn't they wait till the off season to trade Vucevic for this type of haul? Like, maybe get a better haul, and you're not rushed into like right up to the deadline to make a, a move like this with Vucevic because, I mean, his value is definitely going to be high, and it's not like our uh, position in, like, the draft. Like, we're going to be, like, a really good team if Vucevic is here or not for the second half of the season. So uh, I, I agree with you on that. So, yeah. But thanks yeah. for taking my call. I'll, I'll step away, man, keep, keep it moving. But, uh, yeah, keep it up. Keep up the good work on Locked On Magic, man. So. I, I, pre- I appreciate it, man. Thanks for thanks for hopping on. Uh, let's turn to Earth Kid. Earth Kid, how you doing? Hi, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. What's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm big fan. I follow the podcast every day. Um, I have a question. It. Uh, my question was, um, uh, all the other trades, um, I, were, I was, I'm fine with because it seems like they went out and got all their second options that they wanted to get in like pre- um, previous drafts, like Carl Wendell Carter. He was kind of like a second option to Mo Bamba, so on and so forth with R.J. Hampton. My my only concern was the the Fournier trade because we never seem to use those second round picks. So what do you think their their play is for the, for that trade? Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think I think part of you know, and actually this is a comment that Omar put in the comment section about the trade exception. The real prize in that trade was not the second round picks. Um, a second round pick from Boston. You know, we're expecting Boston to be pretty good. Um, you know, for the next however many years. Uh, so. Those second round picks are probably going to be in the late 40s, early 50s, if, if, if anywhere. Um, you know, essentially the Magic just dumped Evan Fournier to, to get, him off the, get him off the roster. Um, but what the Magic got in return was a trade exception. And I think the trade exception okay. was pretty valuable. Um, 
you know, they, they were, they did acquire Jeff Teague, which eats into that amount a little bit, but Orlando essentially ended up with a, I think 16, 15, 15 to 16, somewhere between 15 and $17 million trade exception. I don't have the exact number in front of me and, you know, trade exceptions can get a little complicated. Um, I know it's kind of a cap minutia type thing, but essentially the, the way trades in the NBA work is every trade actually has to be a one for one trade. Um, and so you, you, you have to follow all these rules. And so to allow for these trades to essentially be one for one, these little cap exceptions, these little like kind of they're, they're like bubbles, um, these little exceptions are made. And, and those bubble, those exceptions pop after a year, essentially. Um, and so to make the math work, to make the money work, essentially, to move it around, Boston accepted Evan Fournier into the trade exception. They created a $28 million trade exception, some really smart accounting from Danny Ainge, um, in the Gordon Hayward trade. Um, that they did, or the Gordon Hayward trade, that's uh, signing trade that they did during the offseason. So the Hornets essentially to get Gordon Hayward and take him in, take him into their cap, um, they had to clear some room under under their cap to fit him, and then they sent a trade exception to the Celtics to make to to to, to make up for the room that the Celtics were losing in sign and trading him. Um, a lot of people expected the Celtics to use that sign and trade on a big piece, but you know they ended up using a healthy chunk of it to acquire Evan Fournier. Um, and so the Celtics essentially sent that chunk of the trade exception to Orlando. So what that means for Orlando now is, you know, I, I haven't checked the cap numbers on Orlando yet. They are back. I, I think they're safely under the luxury tax. I don't, you know, they were hovering around the line before this. Um, and they will be, I think they'll still be essentially the same money out or, 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 you know, the difference to keep themselves under the cap. What the trade exception allows them to do is they can go out and just go find a free $15 million player. What, what the Magic could do essentially is say, there's a player out there, I'm, I'm not going to name names or say exactly who, um, there's a player out there that makes $15 million a year. The Magic can trade for that player for just two second-round picks or for a second-round pick for, no, for essentially a nominal fee. So what the Magic did in trading Evan Fournier was they didn't, they don't care about those second round picks. Those second round picks, you know, if they, if they cash in and they turn into something great, second round picks are shots in the dark. And I agree the Magic need to be better about using them and trying to find some value in them. But they're, they're, they're shots in the dark. The prize that they got in that trade was that trade exception. So the Magic now have a year from today, so essentially until next year's trade deadline, to use that trade exception and find a player that fits into that, into that little bubble they've created. Um, and I think that's, that's what they were after in that trade. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, you know, thanks, man. So again, yeah. So again, whether that's successful or not, whether that's a good move or not, depends on how the magic use it. Um, the magic famously made a fairly large trade exception in the Dwight Howard trade. And that was a really complicated trade. And they created that trade exception through a bunch of different machination machinations. That's actually when I learned that that trades actually act as one-on-one trades. Um, but they ended up not using, um, that, that trade except they allowed that trade exception to expire. So, um, it's definitely a little, a little bit of, of a risk. Um, so it's, it's definitely true. And, and Omar's noting to me as well. Um, I haven't done all the math on this. I've been kind of busy doing appearances and, and everything, um, as well as breaking down the trade from a, just a raw standpoint. Um, Omar notes Orlando also created uh, a trade exception with Chicago. Um, it not, he's not sure if they can combine them in a trade. I'm not 100% sure they are either. But essentially, the Magic have these tools kind of in their back pocket for deals they want to make in the offseason or, or whenever. So I do have to check um, some of the cap math on that too. All 
I want to thank everyone who joined me in the locker room uh, Thursday afternoon after the trade deadline to break down, get our initial reactions, kind of have some group therapy and trying to figure out what the Orlando Magic did. We're still piecing everything together, but obviously we're excited to see what some of these young guys can do, what some of these new players can do. It is a new future for the Orlando Magic. It is time. It is uh, Hopefully they will make the best of it. We'll see what happens during the offseason and what those next you know chess pieces are for the Orlando Magic, but obviously they have opted to restart and we're still... Figuring out what that all means. Um, We'll have plenty more to say about that and break it down over the course of the next few weeks ahead of the NBA draft, the rest of the season. Um, There's going to be a lot to figure out, a lot to sort through as well. But that's going to do it for us today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places to download podcasts for your podcast-enabled listening device. The Orlando Magic play the Portland Trailblazers tonight, Friday, March 26th at 8 p.m. at the Amway Center. I will be there. Um, so be sure to follow me on Twitter at OMagicDaily for updates from the game. The Magic then head out west next week, starting in Los Angeles on Sunday against the Lakers, and then Tuesday against the Clippers. We will probably be moving to morning episodes of Locked on Magic, so I'll be recording in the morning rather than at night, um, just because I need to sleep and I don't like going to bed at like 3.30, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, I have a lot to do. Um, so uh, expect uh, expect episodes to drop next week in your inboxes around noon, um, for the for at least uh, the next week or so as, as I'm living on West Coast time. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Wright. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.